Lovely. Welcome again to another episode of Two Gargoyles Comics Podcast. Today, part two of How to Make Comics. Very, very interesting and tantalizing topic. Um, today we are joined by Karin Charlebois, who is a, uh, an amazing Canadian artist. Karin, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the amazing stuff you've worked on? Um, hi, my name is Karin Charlebois, as Mike already said. Uh, Michael, sorry. Uh, I am based in Montreal, Quebec, and I have been working as a storyboard artist mostly uh, since the late 90s. I've done work on shows from Arthur and Sagwa the Chinese Siamese Cat, uh, Inspector Gadget, uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. I've worked on as a storyboard supervisor on the latest season of F is for Family. And for co for comics, I've worked on the Gargoyles comics and Gargoyles Bad Guys spinoff. And uh, that's what I do. I am a storyboard teacher. I'm a storyboard supervisor. I'm a storyboard artist. And I am a comic book artist. We are so, so happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for Kyle, having actually me. No Actual credibility. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, introduce yourself as you take a drink. Right. My name is Kyle Burles. I am president and CEO of the Kyle Hazard Illustrative and Car Wash. <laughs> and Much respect it. to you, sir. That's oh. right. The hardest working man in comics business. Mike Rieger, tell us about yourself, Mike. Hi, Mike Rieger. If the gravity bill should go unpaid, I'm holding this chair down 24-7. It will not float around the room because I am literally on it. I, you're some form of illustrator, too, on the side, I hear. I, well, mostly in front, but yeah, I, I do that a little bit as well. That's good. Mostly it's about holding this chair down. Oh, goodness. And I'm Michael McAdam. I am a comic book writer uh, for Two Gargoyles Comics. Uh, I am a voiceover artist. I am a part-time actor. I only say part-time because <laughs> we're still waiting for the gigs to start coming. Um, so, yes, we've got a very creative team here today, and I'm really anxious to dive into our topic. First, some news, new things going on. I want to give a shout-out to an artist uh, colleague of mine, Mark Marvita. He's the artist on Thunder for Two Gargoyles Comics. He's also been helping me do uh, smaller properties like Yellow Lantern, which is sort of like my DC Heroes fanfic um, comic that might lead to something later on. Hi, DC. Wink, wink. But Mark uh, has pneumonia this week. And of course, in these days of COVID, pneumonia is a scary, scary thing. So just want to give a shout out to Mark, uh, who lives in the Philippines, and be like, we're rooting for you, pal, and we hope you feel better. Big love. Big love. Um, in terms of uh, comics news, I'm working on a new project because my brain doesn't think I have enough to do. Um, it's called Horde High. It is a high school uh, retelling of World of Warcraft in a modern setting. It's kind of like Archie Comics meets World of Warcraft. So I'm kind of having fun working on that new thing. And who knows, uh, maybe Blizzard is listening, wink, um, and might uh, be interested in uh, some writing from me. Who knows? Mike, what are you doing right now? I am working on page five, issue three of my comic, just motoring ahead because what else do I have to do with myself all day long? <laughs> That's right. You uh, like you finished the first one. Now, I can't remember. Did we publish the first one in print? Has it seen a show yet? Have we? It has not. Been to shows. No. No. Nope. So 
Mike's already on the third issue of a comic, and we haven't even been able to show it at conventions yet. So, I hope people like it, because I'm kind of invested at this point. A little bit. <laughs> but if you'd like to know more, go to Mike's Patreon page, where you can see it all. For a small That's fee. Right. For a small fee. That's right. <laughs> where Patreon... is your Patreon, Mike? Yeah, what is the Patreon uh, page, Mike? Patreon.com slash Hawkstone. Hawkstone. I like it. Very, very good. I and of course, the first issue that. is for sale up on TwoGuard. Yay! TwoGuards.com. That's us. Yeah. Boop! Look. <laughs> I had a banner ready for that. Cut nice. in. What, if you're allowed to tell us, what are you working on right now? Right now, I'm on vacation. Love it! Woohoo! Uh, I just finished uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was working on a. Uh, I finished two weeks ago, but I've been working on a storyboard curriculum for an online uh, animation school. Ooh. So that was delivered two weeks ago. Uh, the classes themselves are slated to start in 2022. So news of that will come at the end of 2021. COVID has delayed certain things like the financing and the building of the whole website, but it's a reputable company. I am not allowed to say which one it is, but <laughs> there's stuff coming. Um, before that, I was supervising on a show, uh, like really zany, cartoony uh, stuff that's right kind of stuff that I love doing. Uh, so I was supervising on that. Before that, I was working on a movie, which is possibly gonna come out this Christmas or maybe next year. It's called Fireheart, and it's about a uh, young girl who passes herself off as a man in 1920s New York City Ooh. to be a fireman. Oh, very cool. So I worked on storyboards for that movie. So I'm really looking forward to developments on that. Uh, before that, I was supervising on F is for Family. And we it just came out on Netflix like on the 12th of June. It is still in the top 10, I think, at least in Canada. And so we should know in a couple of weeks whether or not we get a season five production starting. Exciting. So I'm excited about that. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's just contract after contract after contract after contract. Before F is for Family, it was uh, Arthur that I was doing supervision on the last, uh, all the season stuff uh, that's we that's been playing on the, on TV. Uh, it's just, it's nonstop for me. It's this vacation that I'm taking now, I was supposed to take it last August. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So for future projects, I'm actually working on, well, aside from the hoping that there's another season of F is for Family, I have other studios that have reached out to me to say, we've got stuff coming. So don't don't say yes to other contracts before you talk to us. So I'm just <laughs> waiting for these things to, uh, to happen. I am still teaching storyboards at Rubica Montreal and uh, so I'm working on uh, I'm working on a pitch for an animated series with Ooh. a friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine named Rich Morris. We're working together on a pitch for a TV series. Uh, basic premise is uh, that aliens are going to high school on Earth with yes. humans. So 
things are progressing very, very nicely. Uh, we hope to have a pitch ready to show at uh, whatever form Ottawa uh, International, uh, the Ottawa International Animation Festival takes. We're hoping to pitch it there and pitch it to different studios. So if we can sell that, yes. Otherwise, oh, I'm working on other projects. I have comics that I'm working on that uh, it's just there's so many things that I've been putting on the back burner that I get to do now. So my goodness, like this, I'm hugely happy to hear a Canadian um, almost suffering from having too much work, you know, uh, <laughs> well, the the animation industry is one of the industries in the entertainment business that has not overly suffered from COVID. Since all animators can do their work from their computers at home, we mm. we don't need to be together to, uh, you know, there it's not actors getting together, it's not a crew manning a soundstage, it's not we we don't need this. We can all work individually, which means the animation industry keeps going. So for us, it's been we've been really lucky for that. Well, that's wonderful. I like the kudos to you. I'm wondering what your burnout line is. If you're able to defer a vacation for a whole year, like, oh my goodness. I'll be seeing you right now. <laughs> I'm vacationing. Yes, love it. <laughs> okay, so let's dive into the creating a comic. Last week. What, what about we... Kyle? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so used to him being quiet. Kyle, you. <laughs> You are <laughs> you are working on a new project right now. Thanks, Karin. <laughs> Someone's keeping notes at least. I do, but I didn't want to sound pretentious and speak up for myself because that would have been rude. Aww, <laughs> Stop being so Canadian. I just said yay, yay Canadians. Don't be too Canadian. Canada <laughs> dry. Anybody. No, I'm working on a personal project right now. Well, actually, I'm working on a lot of projects right now, but a personal project of my own comic of a weird futuristic 1970s gangster goodfellas idea comic i keep <laughs> trying to say it's a proof of concept because right now it's only a three-page introduction to see if there's more interest in my brain to continue on so you're testing it out on you yes well i hope you win your approval i don't i never do <laughs> i hope you get the, i hope the pitch works on you <laughs> But I said I'm also working on issue four of Gloaming. Yes. Um, I've got what else I got? I got uh, several commissions for Roll Twenty character tokens. That's for, good for the website Roll Twenty yep. for those of us gaming at home now. Yep. Mm -hmm. You've been Twitch streaming on the Reggie. Yes, I'm Twitch Twitch streaming like a crazy person, mumbling to myself, and no, well, no one's watching. What's the name of your Twitch channel? Twitch TV. Dot com, uh, twitch t dot tv backslash kyohazard excellent excellent just yeah. like your name right there yeah. okay that's yep. good everything on the internet with the instagrams or facebooks and everything just look up kyohazard and you will find me because i have them all and they're all under the same name marvelous because no one else cares or wants that name up anything <laughs> we've got to work on fulfilling and, and blowing up your ego just a little bit kyle just to we've got a just a little bit better <laughs> um, 
Alrighty. So, and it's interesting. We're going to get back to something you said there about uh, pitching to yourself and making it feel worthwhile to yourself. But before we do that, let's start. No, Kyle. No, I see I the look on your face. No, you didn't. Your eyes I did said not it all. Say a thing. Kyle's horrible. I just want everyone to know. Um, <laughs> so we're going to get into part two of making comics. Now we talked about uh, the writing last time. We talked about uh, you know the the outlining and the text. But now, phase two, the art. Some of us are artists and can do our own comics, but some of us are not and have to work with an, an artist, like a separate person, to create our work. Yeah, me, me. I'm talking about artists me. Artists are people? Um, yeah, artists are people, too. So we're going to talk... Um, I, I'm going to encourage... Uh, we're going to start with Kyle and then go to Mike, and we're going to move to Karin because... I feel like uh, Kyle and Mike might be just a little bit starstruck by Corinne's awesomeness. And so I, I want to make them... Come on, guys. I've known you for so many years. Not, not Kyle, but still. Like we yeah, met we, in Calgary. We, a bunch of us had a dinner yes. one night at a steakhouse. Yeah, at Calgary. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Kyle, I'd like you to tell me uh, how you start with the visual parts of the comic. In fact, do you start visually or do you start with the script? Um, technically, I usually start with a concept, a basic idea of, you know, the universe, you know, a main character. So the comic I'm working now, you know, is, you know, the quintessential 70s gangster, you know, Goodfellas kind of thing. And I plopped him down in, you know, f uh, future sci-fi world and said it was more of that. Okay, now I want to expand on that. But then I drew the character sketches from the character base, and then I use that the artwork to expand my writing. Got it. Because, you know, everything for me is generally like dominoes. Once I start one thing, okay, well, I need that, but then I need that next thing to make the next thing work. I usually can't go, oh, da -da -da -da. Here's, a, here's a script. I need... You need a vision. The yeah. concept becomes visual, becomes words after the visuals have settled. Yeah. Yes? All right, Mike, your process in this regard. Well, I did character designs as artwork first, mm -hmm. without 100% meaning to. And then I thought of uh, story beats and cool dialogue bits and things that would be cool to happen at some point in just kind of random order. And then I put those things into order into a script. So you didn't even mean to create these characters. Something about something you drew gave you the idea? For the character? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, so you had a, a, then that led to a visual, and then that mm -hmm. led to scenes, just bits floating. Just random, random scenes, yeah. And then, and then slowly I tied that, those together into a narrative. Yes, tied it all together. And I like that sort because of. it's very divergent, um, uh, because yeah. I create linearly. You know, it's like uh, writing first, then the sketches, uh, then the drawing and the finishing, and lettering comes last. Like uh, that's just how my brain works. But it's fascinating to me to hear that you it floats all around you and you pull it together like like meteors crashing into the earth. I do. I have about six different issues that I'm writing all at the same time. Fascinating. All right, you're not supposed in. to do that. I understand. Well, it works for you. Karin, how do you start a comic? Uh, depends on if I'm the writer or not. Uh, if I write, if I uh, work on somebody else's script, the first thing I do, if the character designs don't exist, if locations don't exist, that kind of stuff, I will start by reading the script several times over, 
give myself a visual idea of what the characters look like, I'll sketch out the characters first. The locations come after, so I'll sketch out what things look like and then communicate with the writer to see does that work for you and make tweaks and all that. And once we're set on the designs, then I'll go back to the script and I'll thumbnail like some key moments in the script. So story beats basically. Um, then I'll go uh, sequentially um, and just lay out my page, do each panel as a rough thumbnail in on a separate layer so I can play with my placement of panels and sizing. And once my thumbnails are pretty much set, I send them off to the writer again, and we go over the, the, the comic. I make changes that the writer suggests, and uh, then I do cleanup and all that. So that's basically how I do. If I'm writing my own thing, because I'm a storyboard artist, I tend to think visually a lot more than in writing. So I've been thumbnailing one of my uh comic ideas i've been thumbnailing it as if it were a storyboard instead of actually writing things down so i've got this notebook that i'm using and i'm just thumbnailing my ideas as i'm getting them so i've got the whole opening sequence as if it were an episode of a show that i'm ready with otherwise i will take some uh cue cards and i'll write like story moments and i'll kind of line them up and then add things insert ideas within those cue cards uh, to have something to work from, but it's it. Sometimes I'll write, sometimes I'll draw, but it's mostly drawing. Mm -hmm. And then I'll add words to the drawings that I've made. So that's it's a lot more chaotic when it's just my brain. If it if I'm working on somebody else's script, it's more structured. Well, because you know when you're talking to yourself, you know your own shorthand, you know your own idioms and your own symbols and whatnot. You don't have to take that extra step to explain yourself uh, to someone else so that they can understand what you're going for. Yeah, so, it's basically, if you're doing your own roughs, you tend to not be as detailed as if you have to get your roughs approved by somebody else. All right, so we have... Uh, Artists think visually, I think, is, is a big takeaway from this. Um, to the writers out there, um, it's, it's good that you are applying your craft and whatnot. And remember, you are writing for the artist, but you are not the artist. So we're going to weigh in on that um, because two, there's two journeys that are happening. Okay, The writer's on their journey. They, they see something in their head. But the artist is the one that is bringing the vision to life. And it's not only the writer's vision, they're working with you. The writer has a vision too. It's important to recognize that. So Kyle, what's been your experience working with writers on comics? Um, generally, I've, you know, I do have a lot of issues with the fact that writers will give me scripts and I'll go, wow, that's a great idea. I'm going to do something different because mm -hmm. I don't like this idea. <laughs> and so there's a lot of sometimes arguing. I have to redraw it afterwards and sometimes they like what I've done. But that's I've part never of usually your journey, had too much though. of an issue. Yeah, yeah, because that's things the thing, are more right? collaborative. I think too is when you can both see yeah. both sides, make adjustments. When I'm working with Kyle on gloaming, um, I trust I ignore that everything. Kyle. Well, he knows what he's doing, right? Obviously, so I will write ideas down and then just send it to him, and I won't look at it again because I know Kyle knows what he's doing, and you need to trust your artist. 
Um, when you're first working with someone new, of course you need to get to know each other's process a little bit, but you've got to have that trust to create a really good product. Um, Mike and I have worked together on things before, but the way we work is so different. It is, it is difficult. It was difficult to get points across because one of us, me, is linear, and the other one of us, him, is more divergent. So uh, you would not even work on the same page of the script as I would sometimes, Mike. And you and I battled for control quite a bit as well, more than you do with Kyle, I think. Yeah, yeah. When the visions are strong and you've got to, you know, you've got to work uh, back and forth between, no, whose vision is going to win out? Neil Gaiman famously said this, uh, if it's between you and the artist, the person that wins is the person whose day will be ruined if they don't get their way. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I always like that. <laughs> um, I've got to run grab a charger for my laptop, so please continue the discussion. Okay. Okay, now it's awkward. Um, uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be awkward. So when he wrote stuff for me to draw, it was a constant fight. Oh, right. What did you say? He drew, wrote stuff for me to draw. It was a fairly constant battle most of the time hmm. because I would see things that he didn't intend and um, he would write things that I didn't agree with and eventually we kind of had to stop working together. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't yeah, I don't say that publicly, but uh, we did 14, <laughs> oh, we did 11 issues of Diaperman together and then one Twilight Detective Agency and I think we both mutually agreed that it was best if we didn't do that anymore after that point because of the clash of personalities yeah and that Their was just so different and of course that was also a very early on in our comics uh, career as well so the yeah, learning we were process yeah yeah so the learning yeah. process now like uh if mike and i worked on something together again i know better now than to be like no it has to work this way and only this way uh because that's not how it's gonna work at all Right. Yeah, it's um, one of the indisputable truths. The artist is not your servant. Exactly, exactly. And I, I love that. The indisputable truths, now, uh, that's from Gail Simone, isn't it, Carl? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, Gail Simone, during the pandemic, uh, ran what she called Comics School on Twitter. And it was basically a week-long class in how to be a comic book writer. And during her class, she listed the seven uh, indisputable truths about writing comics. Uh, the one I just mentioned, the art, your artist is not your servant, is truth number six. And that's something that I take to heart because I, use, I, I work on other people's scripts all the time. That's my job. That's what I do. So knowing uh like getting a script means that i have the freedom to interpret the script the way i see it and the person who has to give feedback on that is the director of the show they can tell me i didn't interpret something the right way or something like that or they can make changes they have final say but i still get to tell the story the way i want to tell it yes. if the if the writer has um, a plan in place and something they have to make it clear in the script. And yes. if there's a collaboration between the writer and the artist, 
it really has to be a collaboration, not the writer telling the artist to be an extension of their brain, to be an arm because the writer can't draw. You can't do that. That that just causes conflict. Well, exactly. If the writer could draw, then the writer could do that for themselves. But when you're working with someone else, and this is what I've found too, when other people have a different... Uh, have a different concept than you, it could actually make it better. Yeah. Uh, Kyle and I are always back and forth on gloaming and everything just gets higher and better and creepier because it's a horror comic um, when we discuss it. It's it's really quite rejuvenating, I would say. Yeah. Oh, we have a comment here uh, from Sherry. Have any of you ever started a project with someone and found you were incompatible and had to end the collaboration? Yes. 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 <laughs> well, like Mike just said, he and I had to decide, like, no, we would like this. We can't work together on this project. Um, you know, and this was years ago uh, because we, we realized we were going, we wanted two different things. We were going in different directions. Um, and I have worked with people, too, that will not take any feedback. And that's from the writer understanding that the artist has their own journey but then to be completely cut out, I was like, well, that's not good either. Like, we have to be kind of simpatico. So, yeah, I've, I've had to end collaborations that way, too. Yeah. And the reason why I mentioned the don't expect me to be the extension of your brain, the drawing arm extension of your brain is because it's happened to me. And I felt so like this that I oh. couldn't express myself. I couldn't draw what I was thinking, I had to change everything so that it fit their mental image that they still were not able to communicate properly. Oh. I said, you know what? I, I find another artist. I'm not the one for you. Yeah. I'm out. yeah. And that's good. And that brings us to something you brought up in the pre-show that I'm just fascinated by. Um, yes. That, con that concept you talked about, the, was it sunk? Uh, the sunk know? cost fallacy. The sunk the cost fallacy. The belief that you've invested so much into something that it, you would lose if you gave it up, that all the stuff that you've invested is lost forever and if you give up on something. So you don't want to lose all that past investment. So you keep working at a thing that's going nowhere. So you need to be able to make that separation to cut ties to things that are not productive anymore it could be in relationships it could be in a work project it could be with a client that's too demanding uh, it could be any kind of project when you feel like you can't quit something because you've invested so much into it that's the sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm mm -hmm. And that was 2015 for me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's like throwing good effort after bad. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's something you need to watch out for. Um, Kyle, you were saying earlier, um, you know, you have to pitch things uh, to you, to yourself, like you, the, the proof of concept, right? Um, to yeah. find out if you're going to invest more in this. And does, yeah, does this apply? Absolutely, because I've done several projects where, you know, they're, they're personal projects that I've like, okay, I love this idea, and I'll, you know, put one and I'm like, okay, it's not working, but I'll just keep piling stuff on and piling and, and hoping it works in the end. And how many times it's just gotten to the point of like, I've spent so much time on this that it is no longer, you know, the fun has also gone out of it as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, the drive is gone. And, you know, making comics, like, we all want to feel very professional, but uh, fun is a huge thing. Well, yeah. Right? You can yeah. make a good product, but if you hate yourself at the end of every day, right? Like, who cares if the product is good to other people if you're not enjoying it? This is why I won't do preschool shows for the most part anymore. Oh? I I just, I cannot deal. Like, I, there are a few exceptions. Uh, I've worked on a show on Netflix. It's called Chip and Potato, and it's adorable. Uh, but I accepted that preschool show because it was a continuous storyline. There was actual growth of the characters within it, and it didn't... Um, it didn't take kids for idiots, which right. is what I find a lot of preschool TV is today. Is Oh, no, my friend is so upset. What can I do? Yeah. And I, <laughs> so I can't work on preschool shows anymore. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a choice that I'm making. If I don't have fun doing something, my work is going to not be fun to somebody else. They're not going to enjoy the work that I produce if I'm not having fun producing it. Mm -hmm. And writers, uh, when you're like looking for an artist to work on your project with you, um, don't pick a horror artist for your preschool comic. You know, like, yes, an artist can draw the things you're saying, but they won't enjoy it. If their portfolio is all superheroes, you know, they don't want to draw little bunnies, you know, like they, they can, but they won't enjoy it. Get Find someone that is drawing the stuff already that you are looking for, because yeah. that's what they really want to create with. Exactly. Yes. Mike, um, you've uh, had some commissions. Um, you know, what, what's sort of your criteria for what you accept versus what you don't? Um, do you mean for acceptability or whether I personally am into it? Uh, I, I mean, like, you know, if, if someone's going to pitch something to you, um, how can you tell whether or not from the pitch it's something you're going to want to do? Um, well, there's certain red flags that come up. I mean, obviously, the first one that comes up is we'll see if we can sell it and then they'll pay you. Like, mm. that's, that's a big <laughs> no. Actually, a flag that comes up for me is when writers come up and go, I just want you to have the same passion for this project that I do. I find that to be a red flag, even yeah. though what they're saying is good. Usually that means um, they're going to be a real problem. Yeah, it means I want you to do what I say with no thought of your own. That's yeah. what I interpret that as. Yeah. It's going to be an emotional issue, and I try to stay out of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I'm far happier drawing my own comic than I would be drawing anyone else's comic anyway. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, and, and this is uh, sometimes hard for me to understand. Just because someone has a gallery online doesn't mean they're available for commissions. You know, uh, sometimes all you get to do is look and enjoy. Um, and, you know, you can, I mean, obviously contact them if you want to s see about hiring them. But they have the right to say, no, sorry, I, I'm not actually taking commissions right now. You know, yeah. and that's something that you have to you have to live with. Sorry, writers. <laughs> Can I make an addendum to this? Yes, please. Writers, if an artist says, no, sorry, I'm not taking commissions, please don't follow that up with the entire life story of your character that you want them to draw in order to try and change your minds. 
Thank you. Oh, yes. And I'm, uh, conventions have taught me this. I want everyone to understand this. No one is as interested in your character as you are and telling them the story will not change that. Don't yes. be a booth barnacle. Don't don't hold an artist <laughs> hostage by saying, oh, and then also, and I like, and in purple eyes because, you know, and they're a furry, like whatever, right? I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. want to. No, yeah. sorry. Yes. Don't, don't hold creatives hostage. Don't do please it. Don't. Yes, please. We also have a temp tendency to have limited you know attention spans so the more you blather on about the stuff the less i'm going to care yeah generally <laughs> also may check out 30 seconds into the story about your hysterectomy so you know <laughs> just like, oh. sorry about it sorry mm -hmm. usually you just text me and then i have to come over rescue you <laughs> How okay? Show of hands. Me. Yes. How many of us? How many of us have done the fake phone call or the fake t or the the real text to be like, get me out of this situation? Well, I have you know told what? you so I... many times at conventions because like I can see his face. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Pretend you're having a conversation. You have to leave. Goodbye. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to take this. Bye. <laughs> See, I, I used to find tactics like that, but at one point I got used to, uh, I got into the habit of saying, I'm sorry, I see that I have other customers. I will address them. Yes. If you have anything you want to buy, just let me know. But I need to take care of my other customers. And I then like I that. move away from them. It's yes. the physical just shift. Yeah. And it, 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 instead of being that subtle, oh, I don't know, and oh, I seem to have a phone call. It's it really is. You are taking the attention away from other customers. Yeah, I will now talk to other customers, or I say sometimes I've got this they commission. Won't go to do. away though. Yeah, yeah. sometimes they sometimes don't. They'll just stand there and wait till you're free. Yeah, and then <laughs> come right back. In. Yes, I I understand. But I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be more direct, more uh, directly communicative, because of the fact that at conventions you have all sorts of people, and you may have some uh, neuroatypical people who don't understand subtlety. And by being direct with those people, they don't necessarily take it badly. It's just they like the messages can be crossed, and by yes. saying to a person. Yes. I am done speaking to you. If you want to buy something, I'm happy to sell it to you. I need to get back to work. Yes. I have a commission that I need to draw or I need to take care of another customer. I will be seeing you later. Or mm -hmm. please come back later if you want to buy anything or something to, to really say I'm putting an end to the conversation now. Yes. And that's, and, that's great. That is helpful. But it sure. takes it takes some uh, training and some... Um, like we're Being so eager to please as artists and as just Canadians. regular people and as a woman, we're so eager to please and not upset anyone mm. that we don't tend to be direct with people at conventions or people online. I receive uh, pokes on my Instagram, uh, in my DMs on Instagram, and I have to tell people my Instagram is private, is for business only, I don't do chatting. Right. No, I won't give you my WhatsApp. No, I won't give you my Discord. No, I won't do. I won't friend you on Facebook. I'm not interested. This is a professional setting. Yeah. If you have questions that are professional, I'm willing to answer them. 
but I am not looking to do friendship related things. Some people don't like it. Some people bristle at this refusal of friendship, but they're talking to you in a professional setting as a client, as a customer, and they should be accepting this relationship. Yeah. Would you prefer those to happen over DMs or face-to-face -face at conventions? Because me personally, I don't like the writer pitches at conventions. I would prefer to get it at home safely through a computer instead of face-to-face -face where I'm trying to sell stuff and this guy's trying to get me on this pirate if, comic. And I well, that's it. If, if it's in person, I can say I'm not this is not the venue for this. If you need to send me something, uh, a pitch for a comic or something like that, you can email me. Here's my card, email me later. And then I can choose to look at it and let it sit there for a while if I'm not interested and say, well, thank you for your interest, but I'm not really the artist for your comic. Maybe you can find somebody else on DeviantArt. Mm -hmm. oh, that's great. That's a great segue too. Like it's just like because just that movement you made there, and you're moving on, and you're moving on. Yeah, <laughs> right. And that's, and that's, that's I've done this. I've had people contact me to do storyboards, and I looked at the show, and I went, I don't want to work on this. And I say, I'm not available right now, but I can, or I'm not the artist for your show. This is not what I do. I'm not the artist for your show, but I can see if I know anyone who could be a match, and I can pass your info along to them. And usually by doing this, it, it really, I make it fair to myself. I also make it fair to them because I give them an answer right away. And I also open the possibility of being in contact for somebody else that I think might be a fit eventually. So it, it I, there are so many times when communication doesn't happen properly because everybody is so afraid of stepping on everybody else's toes. Mm. And that's what causes a lot of miscommunication, a lot of rustled feathers, a lot of people who are waiting for something from somebody else who never had any intention of giving them their attention back. So I'd rather be direct and be clear without being rude, but still. Yeah, but it's good because it, it communicates expectation. And that ties back into the idea of collaborating on creating a comic. Um, a communicated expectation goes both ways. Uh, just because, and I'm speaking to the writers now, just because you have a script and you think artist A is perfect for it, doesn't mean artist A thinks they're perfect for it or even wants to do it. Be flexible, talk about what you expect from the artist, but expect that they're gonna say the same thing to you about what they expect in terms of a collaboration, uh, you know, uh, or how they work or what their rates are or whatever. It isn't a one-way street. Communication yeah. is always two-way. As a writer who's always finding artists, Michael, maybe you could describe how you find artists. Because you uh, and I have discussed that process and we kind of refined it a bit. Well, um, lately, Facebook has actually been a huge help because they actually have groups devoted to this. Connecting comic book writers with artists is the name of one of them. It's like literally what the group <laughs> is there for. Good. Um, what I found has been very, very successful is if I have the character design done, I'll put the, the character design up uh, and make a little uh, poster um, saying, I'm doing a comic about this. Here are the themes. Here is the style I'm thinking of, um, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then always- The fact that you pay. Yes, paid gig. 
always a paid gig. <laughs> Let people know up front that it's not a waste of their time to contact you. Yeah. Um, and so I usually start with that because people respond to visuals. If you don't have visuals, that's fine. I mean, you know, you are looking for an artist after all, but be clear what you're looking for, what you're hoping for, um, and be flexible. We put concept. on your expected rate that you want finished pages to come in by approximately. Like we, you and I went back and forth about it, managing expectations for the artist so they know exactly yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. I, I remember we put that on the punch pitch. Yeah, I don't like to uh, to put the my budget on the initial hello, right? Because no, I, I mean, you, we want to put the frequency you expect pages. Whether you'd like a page a month, whether you'd like a page oh, a yes. year, so that yeah. artist knows how fast an output yeah. you're expecting yeah. from them. Communicate expectation. Me, I personally don't really have deadlines per se. What I will usually ask is. What is your general turnaround time? You know, like draw the artist out, get like, uh, you know, like I'm not going to make a demand. I'm going to ask a question. You know, what can I expect? You know, yeah, that kind of thing. You ran into some trouble with early artists where you were expected pages a lot faster than they expected to make them. And so we started managing that expectation on both sides first. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. And if you're new to this, right? Sometimes you haven't thought of these questions because you haven't run into the situation before. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, my journey in indie comics, I have been ridden hard and put away wet so many times <laughs> that I'm like, okay, I've, I've learned. I have learned. <laughs> we and, fought. Yeah. And I'm sure Karin has also learned because you've done so many projects that you've begun to sense patterns before they happen, yeah. you know, or like, I'm going to head this off at the past by saying my patented, I'm going to move over here while you make a decision, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> but you learn through experience and yeah. make those mistakes. It's okay. Make those mistakes, but always be open to be corrected, you know? Like sometimes it's just not going to work, you guys, and that's okay. Move on. Sunk cost fallacy. No, no, no. <laughs> well, okay. I think we're going about ready to wrap it up here. Uh, final thoughts from everybody, uh, Kyle. In uh, in terms of uh, how to make a comic, this is phase two. This is getting the art out there. What's your recommendation for? So how to get it out there? Or... Uh, once once you're into the drawing phase of the comic, what's your advice? Social media, plain simple. Oh. Have everything you can. You know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, whatever the kids are doing nowadays. I'm gonna say it. Why? Well, a friend of mine actually when when I first started my TikTok page, he's like, "Why? You're not a 14 year old girl." But I'm like. <laughs> No, but a 14-year-old girl might want to buy my product. So, yes, I am there. And it's, you put you know, up... Uh, marketing, like, marketing, marketing. Yes, you put up in-progress pages. You put mm -hmm. up... Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people. And I find that this is actually a lot of amateurs. They're so worried someone's going to steal their idea. Yeah. And I, I can't say 100% it'll never happen. It'll never happen. But it's Even when you put it up unlikely. finished, they're going to steal it. It's going yeah, to end up on a t-shirt in China. Yeah, it's... Oh, go ahead, cut in. Um, this reminds me, I listened to the podcast Comic Lab with Brad Geiger and um, Dave Kellett, 
who do uh, Sheldon Comics and uh, Drive Comic and uh, Evil Inc. So they had this podcast where it's uh, making a living from comics. And one of the things that they talk about is, um, and then I lost it. I was thinking about it, but you were mentioning about... People stealing TikTok. your ideas. People stealing, yeah. people stealing your ideas. Brad Geiger says that ideas are worthless. The application of the idea is what is worth something. So yes. you can have ideas there are a dime a dozen it's what you do with your idea even if somebody else has the same idea or somebody steals your idea they can do something completely different with it so the application of the idea is what has value and even if you're afraid that your drawing is going to get stolen eh, it happens they have a stolen drawing you can still create a whole bunch of new drawings and make money from those you know, That's it's true. not like the, that one drawing is being stolen by somebody else. You can fight it and litigate the, 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 the crap out of it, but you Unless can you're also... Disney, you're not going to win. Well, <laughs> you can also just move forward and create new stuff and attract a new audience and just continue creating because that's what you have you have the ideas and you have the skills to apply them to make something out of those ideas whereas the thieves can just pick up something that's already done and can't make anything new with it. That's right. Like keep moving forward always and never let the fear of, you know, like somebody like stealing your stuff stop you from creating. Exactly. You're the creator. Do yeah. It. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Pretty much. Uh, Mike, your advice for uh, uh, how to storyboard? Uh, no, for the Here's the how I storyboard. <laughs> that's not going to help you. Well, what did you do first on that? Do page? that. I letter. You oh, you letter oh, first. Yeah, I do the That's... dialogue first. Then I lay out basic panels with the lettering in them, so I know how much space I have to fill, approximately. And then I sketch storyboards, like the original um, I point that Corinne started with, where you just sketch out basic figures and uh, eye lines and things around it. Very, yeah, very I do cool. panels and lettering first. Most people do that last, I guess. I don't really know what most people do. I think it, that's fascinating, though. I, I, I've learned that uh, in uh, comic strips, a lot of the online comic strips, a lot of web cartoonists will do their, will put the speech bubbles first because that, then they know how much space the dialogue takes. So they know yes. where they can write, where they can draw, sorry. Um, yeah. It makes sense to me, but... The That's way how I, I found I had to do it, yeah. Yeah. So the way I do it usually is I will put like an a, approximate idea of where my speech bubbles are going to be when I do my panels. But like I said, I do them on, I do each panel on a different layer. Yes. Uh, there are several reasons for that. One of them is that it allows me to play with the sizing and the position of the, uh, of the panel eventually when I do my full page layout. Uh, the other thing is it allows me to draw outside of the panel borders so that my perspective works, my character positioning works, that I don't have a character that's sunk into the ground while the other one's floating and the background doesn't match. I tend to draw outside. I do the same thing in storyboards. I draw mm. wide outside of the uh, the panel 
in order to make sure everything makes sense. And then I can crop out the, those uh, sketches when I do my cleanup in the panel. So that's how I do it. Process. Wow, that is amazing. I want to thank you so much for coming to be here with us today, Karin. Like, the... You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, your experience is so good. So this has been the Two Guards Live Steam podcast. Your hosts have been me, Michael McAdam, and Mike Rieger, Kyle Burles, and special guest Karin Chalabois. If you want to help us succeed... Here's what we can do. If you're watching this on Facebook, please give us some thumbs up. If you are watching this on YouTube, hit that like and subscribe down below. And if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. Thanks very much. This has been another episode of the Two Gargoyles podcast.